Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Ephesians 4 and verse 1, and it says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. Living a life worthy of the calling you received. Now, this past week has been an interesting week, and and so I found myself just studying, like, like God, I, I just, Jesus, can you just fill me up? Can you just fill me up? How many of you have ever been there where you just can't get enough of the word? You're like, fill me, fill me. And so I was reading one of my favorite old school preachers, and, and this sermon title just nailed me, and it was on the practical and the spiritual. And y'all know us, and we always preach about the the reality of our Christianity, the reality of Bible truths becoming active in everyday life. That it's not just a Sunday thing. It's an everyday 24-7 lifestyle. And so it caught my eye, and I I had to read and and, and soak and saturate, and, and really it reminded me of this encounter that I've been having with my daughter. And so she's been having an interesting time, and I'm going to limit the details because it's real life for her, and um, real life for her. And so she's been struggling at school and with different friends and different things going on and trying to wrap her head and her heart around it. And so she got in trouble for saying a couple of things she shouldn't have said, and she couldn't figure out how to communicate what it was. And um, that, that needed to happen. And, and so she found herself getting in trouble. And that got her more frustrated because she was trying to be like Jesus. And then the next thing you know, she's just telling people, Christians don't act like that. <laughs> she just wanted people to get in line, right? Christians don't act like that. And um, so I said, well, how'd that work out for you, honey? But how many times, she's five, but how many times as adults do we find ourselves with just the Christianese answer of, well, we just don't do that. Christians don't do that. Spiritual believers don't do that or whatever. And, and it's almost like that check, that checklist or checkbox. And we don't mean it to be. She wasn't meaning it to be. And so I really had to begin to, you know, um, Bent with my friends, like, this is what's happening, this is what I'm processing, how do we do this? You know, call my sister, talk to my mom, talk to Jesus, and really found myself realizing it was the character within that I was concerned about, right? We all go through the how do we navigate these waters? How do I navigate real life? Not just church service, not just the holidays, but how do we navigate real life as Christians? And so there's the practical side. There's the side of how we should operate and how we should conduct ourselves. But with the practical side, there's always the spiritual side. And so that's really what I want to take a look at this morning with Ephesians. Living a life worthy of the calling. What does that look like for us? How do we operate in that? 
So I found this quote, and I don't know who said it, but I love it. I wish I could take credit, but it's not mine. And it says, the highest life consists not in doing magnificent things, but rather in doing common things in a magnificent way. Just the common every day, simple things of life in a magnificent way, in a way that honors him. A.W. Simpson says this, he that knows extremes, and let, let me preface it with this. Let me not get ahead of myself. Is, you know, I'm, talk, I'm talking to the spiritual this morning. I'm talking to the celebration. And oftentimes when we live in the heavenlies, right, when we live in the deep things of God, we think people don't want to start talking about the basic day-to-day operations of how to conduct ourselves. But that's so not the case. If we live way up here all the time and forget about the everyday, our character may not align with our belief system. Come on. And so we can't be so spiritually minded that we're no earthly good. Spirit and truth will always kiss, will always unite. So this is what Simpson says about that. He that knows extremes, extremes in the heavenlies, extremes in the natural, must quickly meet. That in the most very highest realms of spiritual truth and life lie the most subtle temptations and the most serious perils. And how true is that in life? That, that oftentimes that little enemy will try to sneak himself in in the most silliest of ways. Oh, but that was just a little white lie. Oh, but they just needed a friend. Oh, it's just this one time. God knows my heart. But no, we're to live for the glory of God in every situation of our lives. So we're going to take a look at the earthly side of the heavenly things really quickly because I want to get to this spiritual side of the earthly things. So we're going to talk about our walk. And again, our walk from Ephesians 4.1 is that he's a prisoner of the Lord and he beseeches us. You know, Paul's in jail. Paul's in jail for living for the gospel and he's not backing down. And instead of becoming sheepish or shy about the faith, that he was just imprisoned for. He beseeches you, no, brethren, I've been in the trenches. I've seen the hardships. But I beseech you to walk worthy, live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Live it to the fullest. Don't back down. Believe it. Believe he is who he says he is in every area. Don't take it just for someone else, but you. Everybody say me. Me. Walk worthy of the calling which you were called. Our walk is to be carefully guarded. Our whole deportment and our conduct guarded. We don't get to just say, Well, this is how he made me. Look, I'm about as wild and goofy and outlandish as they come. Got it? I get it. I don't get to say it's just how he made me. I got to come into alignment. I got to allow him to affect my conduct and my being and realize he might have made me a little wild and fun and out there and charismatic, 
for his glory, not for my fleshly nature, right? And so our conduct gets to be aligned with our calling. We have to take a look at our talk. Simpson says that physical disease indicates itself by a foul tongue. And there is no quicker test of spiritual healthfulness than the conversation of a disciple. The conversation of a disciple. I remember years ago, Pastors Frank and Paris telling the story of, of basically Pastor Frank getting burnt out and tired of ministry. And you get invited when you go to these conferences and things, you'll get invited as a minister to the back to meet with the ministers, right, before or after service. And he just didn't want to go anymore. And he said that he was so tired of going because the back talk was how, what kind of watch you had and car you drove, vacation home. And there was no Jesus talk. And so when he got invited in 94 to behind the scenes of the revival, he didn't want to go. He didn't want to go. And he reluctantly went and somebody basically made him go back there. And he was so refreshed to find a minister talking about Jesus and how Jesus had met him. And so the reality of it is as a believer, we want to watch our conversation. What is our conversation filled with? Negative Nelly or thankful Terry? I just made us something up. Hallelujah. It wasn't real special, but it still was mine. <laughs> Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. You know, I should have looked at this before service again, but Megan posted this thing, and I've seen it before online, and she posted this thing on Facebook about how to talk to your kids. And, you know, instead of saying, stop doing that, or go pick up your toys, is, hey, can you help me get these things put together? Instead of saying, that's not how I told you to do it, it's, hey, can you help me figure out a new way to get this done? And it's almost the same kind of thing for believers. We forget that we don't have to be so, that everybody doesn't hear with the same kind of ears. And sometimes we just need to make sure that our speech is seasoned with salt, it's seasoned with grace for one another. Ephesians 5.4 says, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather give thanks. All idle words, all irreverent speech, all obscene conversation, all talk flavored with frivolous gossip, frivolousness, or gossip passes under the severe censorship of the Holy Spirit and distinguishes the character of the Christian or the counterfeit. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. We take a look at our temper. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Ephesians 4.31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. 
Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such law, against such there is no law. This is our Christian standard to live by. Our integrity. Ephesians 4.28. I told you there's a lot of scripture. 4.28. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give who has need. Our integrity. We go from being the sinner to the saved. From being the liar and the thief to being the hard worker, the man or woman of our word. Christ calls us to purity. Ephesians 5, 5 says, For you know this, that no fornicator, I can't stand straight, that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the, if, in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. You know, this is a funny one these days because all of a sudden, the Christian moral system is all in question. But let it not be questionable in here, church, where we stand with scriptures that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man no idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. It's not a matter of what we choose to believe or want to be sensitive. It's a matter of the truth of God's word. So this becomes our standard, our way of, of living. We don't want to be live in a place of unworldliness. Ephesians 5.5, 5, again, um, we just read it. Our gravity, Ephesians 5.15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. You know, when we were newborn babes in Christ, how many of you remember that season? I loved that season. I was such a goober and totally fine with it. All I knew that I had, I had gotten born again, that he was who he says he was, that I was once lost and now I'm saved and I got it and I'm right there with you. Hallelujah. And so I was, we would read Proverbs every day and, you know, everybody knows the story. I got saved at the same time as my boyfriend and we were totally in the world. So we would read Proverbs together and he would help me understand it because he spent three months in a Christian rehab. So he was way farther along than me, right? But he was. And so we're reading scripture together, and, you know, I got born again and totally set free from all these drugs and sinful lifestyle, but there were some things I still participated in with zero conviction, right? But I was born again, loved Jesus, made my stance, but we only know what we know, right? We're talking about living wise and not as fools. So we're reading scripture, and I'm learning about Jesus. And we're in Proverbs, and I, I wish I knew which one it was. And he says, so do you know what that means? And see, Jesus set me up that day because one of our friends told him I was still doing something bad. So he was testing me, and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to question her. And if she's doing it knowing it's wrong, we're over. 
because she's, she's, not, she's living as a fool. She's living one in the world and one in Christ. But if she's truthful and she's honest with me, is we're going to be all right. So he says, what do you think it means? And we got him and said, I have no idea, but it sounds good. So he begins to explain to me what it means. And I'm like, I still don't get it, buddy. And so he says, well, let's put it this way. When's the last time you smoked a joint? And I said, well, this morning before I came and got you. And he says, well, that's exactly what, what this is talking about. So I said, so do you mean that I'm not supposed to do that anymore either? And he was like, yes. So we talked about it. We prayed about it. I went home, had a couple more puffs, and gave the rest away. <laughs> the point of the story is to let you know that I'm human, but that he's called us to not walk as fools, but as wise. And, and should I have chosen, conscientiously chosen, once the truth was revealed, conviction had come, then I would have lived as a fool. We don't know what we don't know. But, but as we mature in the Lord, as we begin to get off of our milk of the gospel and have our meat, right, we can't just say, oh, I know I shouldn't. Now, I'm stepping on some toes right now, so I'm going to stay here a moment. <laughs> but there are things, the gravity of our life, the seriousness of our conduct, that we can no longer just continue to say, I know I shouldn't, but God has called us to something higher. He's called us to live worthy of the calling of Christ Jesus. Who has called us but Christ himself, the one seated on the throne of God, who came and walked a perfect, seamless life for you and I, has called us to be holy as he's holy, has died for you, has resurrected from the dead, beaten sin and death, has breathed his life into you and I. We don't get to say, I know I shouldn't, but... Not as fools, but as wise. We take a look at our time. Come on, somebody. Ephesians 5.16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Then we take a look at our sobriety. <laughs> Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but ho, ho, he, he, ha, ha. Be filled be ye being filled with the Spirit. We take a look at our homes, and we're not going to read the whole portion now, Tony. We'll read it in a second. But Ephesians 5, to 33 begins to talk about wives submitting to our husbands and husbands loving our wives, that we are being sanctified and cleansed within our homes, living as unto the Lord himself within our homes. How many times and oftentimes in, is the Christian's home life so much different than the Christian's church life? It shouldn't be so, saints. It shouldn't be so. We live a life worthy of the calling of Christ Jesus. That women, listen up. 
You got a loud, bold, self-sufficient woman boldly saying that Scripture is truth, and we submit to our husbands with great joy, that we honor them as we honor Christ. And husbands, oh, you listen up, buddy. You love your spouse as Christ loves the church. And he gave his own life for her. Gave his own life for her that we might have eternal life. So it's not a greater or lesser. It's a love dance that the world gets to look into our homes as husbands and wives and see the greatest picture of all of Christ in the church. Because the husband represents Christ's love for, for us, and the woman shows our reverence and our submission as the church waiting for her heavenly groom to come. Beautiful picture. Now, now that we've gone through the earthly side, check, 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 check. These are things we know, right? But how do we take the checkbox and make it into the spiritual aspect of our lives? That I'm not living in a place of religiosity. Come on. I'm not living in a place of do's and don'ts. Y'all know me. Can't stand them. Can't stand them. But that doesn't give us an excuse to live a life of sin to make excuse for grace, that his grace is sufficient, so he'll come and he'll, he'll work it all out on the other side. That is not how we're to live. If Jesus came to set us free, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, then you and I are no longer bound by the things of this world, by the sinful nature. We have been touched. We have been regenerated. We have been set free from the law of sin and death, and we have the supernatural capability of living a life hidden in Christ, covered by him, that we now live it in love and supernatural ability, right? We can go back to the physical side of things, and I can have a conversation with you and say, oh, buddy, the physical natural acts aren't lining up with who Christ says you are. Fact, right? Now, I'm not going to go to a new believer and say, you need to change your clothes now. No, no, no. Jesus touches us. He reveals himself, and we begin to change. But I'm talking, I'm talking to the church today. I'm talking to people that know Jesus. And so when we begin to evaluate our lives, when the spirit of conviction begins to come, then we have to take a look. Is there a closed door that we're not allowing the spirit to come and we're being stubborn and bullheaded, full of excuses, or is the door wide open to say, Lord, redeem me, sanctify me, cleanse me, help me to live a life worthy of the calling, that when others come around, they see Jesus, that when they see the mistakes in me, they see the repentive heart. That when they see the obnoxiousness in me, that it really is out of loving kindness and tender mercies, not out of guilt and out of pressure or out of pride. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know, I spend so much time repenting for the church of the past. 
I'm not talking about celebration. I'm talking the church of, of the world of past, of leaders and ministers and people trying and believing to do good, right? But living by the law. And the law hurts. Scripture tells us that. It pierces. But what does the Spirit do? It gives life. It gives life. How many of you have been redeemed today? How many of you have been restored and renewed by the Spirit of God? That breath of life is going to come and take these practical, everyday life situations and bring it to the light of the gospel. That no longer, look, I get mad at people and I got to go repent. And I got to get my heart right. And there are times where I want to say, listen to yourself, just... And I have to say, Heather, that does not look like Jesus. And look, Jesus may have overturned tables. And there are times, many of you have seen me do that. <laughs> but let me tell you, it better have been led by the Holy Ghost. Because Scripture tells me to walk in love, to walk in tenderness, to walk in gen gentleness, to let my gentleness be known to all men. Right? So let's take a look at that. Y'all following? We're going to go to that quote, Tony, on the heavenly side of earthly things. It says, by one bold and heavenly touch, the whole sphere of, of earthly duty is lifted up to a lofty and glorious plane. And all of these human relationships are at once represented under the bright and glowing touch of their divine significance. You have a divine significance. They cease to be mere places of earthly toil, and they become occupations in direct relation to God in heaven. The servant ceases to be the servile drudge of his master and becomes at once the servant of Jesus Christ and the candidate for a heavenly reward. And every earthly relationship and duty become attached to some higher connection and heavenly calling. What does all that mean? Your life has a divine purpose. Who you are, where you're at, who you're married to, your job, your children, your church, all of your relationships have a divine purpose. You are exactly where you are in life because of a heavenly calling. And everything going on in your life is more than just the natural cause. There's a heavenly purpose behind it. So when my daughter begins to go through her stuff, or my daughter begins to gently rebuke me and totally right and correct, it's, it, it, it's not I see Jesus. I see all of a sudden the spiritual realm open and all of a sudden begin to realize, Lord, Lord, what is it you're speaking to me? Your situation, there are situations right now that you find yourself in that you are angry and mad and want to know why you're there again. And the Lord says, you don't have to go around the mountain one more time. By golly gee whiz, Stop with the excuses. Okay, listen up. Listen. If you're constantly going around the same mountain, you don't have the answer. 
O foolish Galatians, you who be gone in the spirit, why would you think you're going to finish in the flesh? You don't have the answer. When the cops come and they say, hands up, what do you do? Well, let me tell you, the Holy Ghost is here to arrest you today. He is here to arrest someone today. You ever watch those cop shows and they all know better? They all have the answer, right? They all have the answer. And a snotty little attitude to go with it of how they have the answer. But if they had the answer, then they wouldn't be getting the cuffs slapped on their wrist, right? If you and I had the answer, the mountain still wouldn't be our home. Round and round we go. Do, 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 do. Getting a little tired. We just lift up our hands and we surrender. And we allow the Holy Ghost to illuminate the areas of our life. I remember this morning when, when, I, when we were in prayer together, we were holding hands and I said, this is the atmosphere the Lord drops creativity, right? If we can just, as believers, get in the presence of God, Find yourself in prayer. Find yourself in worship. Find yourself, if, if you have a hard time entering it at home, come with the body of Christ. If you have a hard time with the body of Christ, go to your prayer room at home. But get in the atmosphere of God. Get in the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost and begin to repent. Begin to repent for, for trying to figure it out. Remember I told you last Sunday that I was like, okay, God, where are we going? And this is awesome. This is awesome. I love your presence. Where are we going in service? What's next? What do you want me to do? And he said, it's not about you. You don't need to know what we're going to do. Just worship me. I was like, oh, yeah, Jesus. So, so I repent as a minister of the gospel for trying to figure out his service. I don't need to know Jesus. I'm, you say go, I go. You say step by step. You say move, I move. Thank you, Jesus. So, yes, as a believer, fully in love with God, you repent. Everybody say, I repent. Repent is not a sin. It's not a curse word. It is our best friend. Because when we repent, times of refreshing comes. Refreshing comes. So we get ourselves in the presence of God. We repent for trying to figure it out. We just begin to love on him and worship him and, and beg him to come. Because, Lord, I am tired of trying to figure it out in this mountain. And obviously, I made it about me and not about you. What's the purpose? What do I do? How do I glorify you in this? It's no longer about me trying to get out of this situation and me trying to fix it. But Lord, I want you to be glorified. I want people to see you, you in it. Excuse me. And as you begin to walk that, he begins to drop creative ideas for how the solution to the problem. And it is never what you think it is. And it's most likely the very thing you don't want to do. And then he gives you the will and the do to do it. And you might be shaking in your boots. But his grace is sufficient. Amen. So our walk is connected with our calling. Ephesians 4.1 again talks about walking worthy of the calling. What is that calling? Ephesians 1.4 says that we are to be holy and blameless before him. We are called to walk and live a life of holiness, 
Holiness is not just for the nuns and the habits or the monks up in the mountains that don't talk. Holiness is for you and I, and it has nothing to do with whether we wear makeup or don't wear makeup and have the beard or don't have the beard and what the hair is groomed like. Holiness has to do with the internal parts of our being, being washed and renewed by the Word of God, by the blood of the Lamb. And if we're washed and we're renewed, then our walk is going to look a little bit different. You know, one of the things that has happened this week is I keep going into situations that you don't ever want to walk into. And I keep walking into like, wah, crazy, 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 dark things. As I walk in, big belly and all, but every single place I've been to, the hardest of the hard and the ones that are born again say, when you walk in the room, you bring peace. Can you please keep coming back? Don't stay away. You're not bothering us. Come. Why? Because he's called us to live a life of holiness. He's called us to walk worthy of the calling. That as we begin to, to put one foot in front of the other, we're carriers of his presence. We're to live in the world, but not of the world. City, oh city of God, I may be walking through an earthly situation, but I'm living it in the heavenlies. I'm coming in and piercing the atmosphere and bringing Christ into the situation. God chose you and I with the goal that we be holy and blameless before him. This goal is not an option for believers. Everybody say it's not an option. If you and I get the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our beings, washed by the blood of the Lamb, filled with the Spirit of God, we cannot but live a life holy. Everybody say holy. Holy. That I am different. I am no longer in the world. I am not going to preach Christ and go gossip. I am not going to preach Christ and go live in the bars. I am not going to preach Christ and go live in fornication. I'm going to live a life of holiness, of forgiveness, of purity that every day is lived by the Spirit. Colossians 1.10 says, walk worthy. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to who? Him. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of the Lord. You and I get to find Jesus in all of our situations. You know, we've been sharing testimonies and one of the precious things is Tony, and I won't tell her whole story. But Tony has been sowing seeds in her workplace for years, for years. They know where to go when they need help. They know where to go when the doors are closed. And just this past week, in the midst of the situation happening, Tony needed encouragement and love in the middle of the day. And someone knocked on her door and said, hey, can I pray with you? That's fruit of a life lived before people. Colossians 2, 6 says, for, says, therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus, walk in him. 1 Thessalonians 2, 12 says that we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. He's called us to walk, watch our talk. 
Ephesians 4.25 says, putting away all lying, let each one of you speak truth. Colossians 3.9 says, don't lie to one another since you put off the old man with his deeds. Romans 12.5 says, so we being many are one body in Christ and have individual members of it. You know, how many of you remember your family life pre-Christ? And those of you born in the church, pre-you really getting born again again. <laughs> right? The way you talk with family, hide things from family, sugarcoat things from family, squeeze things in with family. <clears throat> we don't do that anymore. We don't treat the body of Christ like that because we're one body. And so what you and I do, even our talk, even our talk affects the one sitting right next to you. We are all grafted in one spirit, one baptism, one Lord, one hope, one calling. And so our, our speech is to be a speech of thanksgiving, of, of generosity. Generosity. I'm really struggling today. Generosity of loving kindness because we don't want to cut off our own nose. I had a bar of soap fall on my toe the other day and thought, dear Lord, a bar of soap can break my toe. You don't think I'm going to watch where that bar of soap is now? If I'm going to make sure I don't hurt my toe, how much more am I going to make sure I don't hurt the one sitting next to me today? Right? And really our temper. And you know, we can say I'm Italian. I'm a redhead. I'm a Cajun. But we no longer have excuses in Christ Jesus. Jeremiah 17.9 talks about people need an inner transformation because our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Regeneration is necessary of putting off of the old man and putting on the new man of Christ. You know, pre-Jesus, you just didn't want to have an altercation with Heather. Heather would rip you to shreds in words. It was disgusting. And I was so proud of it because it kept people so far away from me. And if that didn't work, I had some... I had some guns I was ready to use. Fivefold ministry at its worst, pre-Jesus. Right? But uh, Jesus says that the old man, the old things have passed away. And behold, all things are made new in Jesus. When I was water baptized in March of 2001, Lafayette, Louisiana, East Bayou Baptist Church on Kali Saloon Road, the old skating rink, now made into a church. When I went down that baptismal tank, I didn't fully understand it. All I knew was Jesus had come, and this is my next step, but that day was my funeral. That day was the funeral of the loud mouth, the one that would rip you to shreds, the one that would, if you didn't like it, I'd figure out a way to make you like it. She got done, dead, buried, gone, 
The old has passed away, and behold, all things are made new. As a regenerated being. What does that mean? That means that I am no longer covered with a band-aid. When you're in Christ Jesus, you're no longer covered with a band-aid. You're not wrapped up in a sling. That old has passed away dead. And new life has come. A regenerated new spirit. Just as it was before the depravity entered. Pureness, holiness, purity, blameless. And all of a sudden that old temper is dead. Doesn't mean she doesn't try to sneak up her head every now and then. But I know she's dead. We know she's gone. So now the new nature in Christ comes and gets to live. So our temper is yielded to the Holy Ghost. We no longer respond in the old way. We begin to respond in love. The, the, the cutest way I get to see it today is with my children. Because we all know at home, we're tired. We're just like, yeah, whatever. And so I'll find myself going, oh, Zoe, just do it. Jonathan, because mama's tired or whatever. And then I'm reminded. I'm reminded of these scriptures in Ephesians. Put on the old. Put off the old. Put off the former conduct. And, and my temper might not be yelling and hooting and hollering and all the ripping apart anymore. But just the temperament of frustration when it's not necessary all of a sudden is red flags of conviction. And he's reminding me that that's not who I am in Christ Jesus. So that temperament at the red light, that temperament in the classroom, that temperament with the coworkers, all of a sudden, in the light of the gospel, looks a whole lot different. Our integrity, that our yes is yes, and our no is no. You know, Proverbs tells us that a good name, that a good name <coughs> is important. Ephesians 5.32 says, it's a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And what does that really mean? That means it's absolutely impossible to live the integral life of the gospel. It's a great mystery, but it is capable when we're hidden in Christ. That you and I are to be gentle and forgiving. Why? Because Christ forgave us. Because he first loved us. All of a sudden, we can begin to live the life of Christ. Our purity. Why don't y'all go ahead and come on up, Grace? Ephesians, no, let's go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee. Everybody say flee. Flee sexual immorality, and every sin that a man does is outside of the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have from God and are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so we see the, the natural, the carnal things of the world. Look, it's not an option. The world will tell you. There, there'll be people in the church shacking up this and shacking up that and this and that. And Look, I'm not going to tell you one sin's greater than the other because they're all sin. Got it? 
But what I do know is that sin is sin. I don't define it. Scripture does. Right? And instead of questioning it and seeing how close I can get to it, Scripture says to flee. I'm going to run. I'm going to sprint like that crazy kid with my hands in the air, waving around like I just don't care. No way, buddy. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Because I am to glorify God in my body and in my spirit. Because I've been made a temple of God. So it goes beyond a, is this allowed? Check. X to a, is God glorified in this I had a minister one time growing up in the church uh, you know growing up in the church I was 20 something 25 ish and totally single hadn't met Zach yet and they were going to get married they were getting engaged and one of the youth asked him Miss Melissa why are you getting married how do you know this is God and I'll never forget her response She said, well, we believe God is more glorified with us as a couple than with us individually. And it blew me away that we begin to live a life of purity that glorifies God in our actions. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.